0: Amen. He is the hope. Amen. Amen. And that's exactly what places like Sri Lanka need right now in Peru and Kansas and all over the world. They need the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's great to be here with you. And I have had a wonderful week. My family have we have thoroughly enjoyed our time here. And we're very appreciative for your friendliness, your love, uh, your hospitality. And uh, we are certainly going to be uh, heading out uh, tomorrow with our cups full. And we're very, very thankful uh, to the pastoral staff and to you as a church uh, for, your, for your love for us and for your concern for world missions. And uh, I want to encourage you to be back tonight. I'm going to preach a message, going to close out the meeting with something that will be very practical and helpful uh, from, from your standpoint uh, in this whole thing of missions And I think you'll be blessed if you come back, so please be here tonight. If you're a guest this morning, uh, I want to encourage you please come back and hear uh, the pastor next Sunday. If you come and you say, man, uh, that guy, that young guy, he really blew it today. Well, I'm not the pastor. And uh, so you come back, and and, uh, I'm telling you, the man of God here will love you. This is a church that will care about you, care about your condition. And so if you're a guest, I want to encourage you, please come back and uh, next week to hear uh, the man of God. All right, well, let's take our Bibles this morning. And I'm going to invite you to stand, if you're able, and turn to Revelation chapter 1 this morning. The book uh, of Revelation chapter 1. You know, you read your Bible and a phrase will just jump out at you. You underline it. And a couple weeks ago, I read this phrase and... uh, you know the Word of God uh, talks about meditating on the Scriptures. You know you chew on it, you think about it, and started thinking about this uh, this phrase. And uh, so I want to preach on this subject this morning out of Revelation one. Also, I need to inv- I need to ask you to put a ribbon or a piece of paper or something in Psalms eighty nine. Uh, about halfway through the message, we're going to jump real quickly over to Psalm eighty nine, but we're going to spend the bulk of the time in Revelation one. But I want you to be ready. Uh, so that when I say, okay, turn to Psalm 89, we're not going to have to wait, because I'm going to be moving, all right? And uh, and, uh, so have something in Psalms 89, but right now we're going to be in Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. We're going to look at the context through the message, but I just want to look at this phrase in verse 5 uh, by way of reading. And from Jesus Christ, who is... The faithful witness. I want to read that one more time. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness. I want to preach on this subject this morning the faithful witness. The faithful witness. Let's pray. Father, we, we know that you gave us hope through the person of Jesus Christ. In your love, in your care for us, you sent him to die and to rise from the dead. And he is our faithful witness. I pray, God, that you would help me to faithfully lift him up in your house. Bless our time in the word, we pray in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, you may be seated. In verse 4 of chapter 1, the word of God reminds us or sets the context. You have the writer, the Bible says, John... ...to the seven churches which are in Asia. So in these first couple chapters you have the Apostle John... ...and, and he is writing to these seven churches... ...that exist in the, region, the regions of Asia Minor. And, and, and as John is writing these words... ...he knows that what he's about to write them is not just fluffy stuff. It's not just a little greeting. It's not just a, hey, how's it going... But the words that John is about to pin to the churches of Asia Minor are very weighty. They are very significant because here's what they are. They are, they are an evaluation of each church. Each one of these, these letters to these seven churches are an evaluation of their congregation, of what they're doing well, of where they're excelling, of where they are struggling. Within this evaluation is some commendation, but there is also some rebuke uh, and then kind of a focus. Here is where each church needs to really think and focus and, and make it a point to move on. And so as John is writing these words, he knows that these are weighty words and that, and that he's putting some serious responsibility on these churches. And it's vital... listen, it's vital... That they listen to the letter and that they respond to the letter. It's vital that they receive the rebuke. They receive the correction. They receive the instruction and obey it. And so before he gets into it, he wants to remind them who's actually doing the writing. He wants to remind them who's actually communicating to them. And so he says in verse 4, John to the seven churches which are in Asia... Grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come. That's God the Father. And from the seven spirits which are before his throne. That's God the Spirit. And from Jesus Christ, that's God the Son. And so as John is writing, he's, he, it's like he's saying, look, I understand it's my penmanship, I understand it's my personality, but I want you to understand, churches, these are not my words. This is not my evaluation. This is not my critiques. This is not my direction to you. But the Holy Trinity of God, God the Father, and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit has evaluated you, and God Himself is speaking to you as a church. That's that's the impression that John wants to put upon them. And I want to remind us this morning that that as we've had our missions conference and we've heard from missionaries and we've heard the preaching, it's not David Hetzer that's communicating to you. It's not Pastor Prater that is communicating to you, but it is the triune God, God the Father, and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit who is speaking to us and pushing us and exhorting us to get the word of God out to all people and all nations of the earth. And so, and so he's, he's, he's reminding them of the source of these words. And as he speaks of the Trinity, as he describes the different persons of God, he gets to Jesus and he gives a lot of amazing uh, descriptive terms about Jesus Christ. They're well worth your time to just go through each one and meditate on each one. But I want us to focus on the very first attribute that he speaks of. Now think about this. Of Jesus to these churches of Asia Minor. He says in verse 5. And from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness. He speaks about the witness of Christ. Now the word witness simply means this. It is a declaration or affirmation of fact it is simply someone declaring something or affirming something that they are saying is a fact it is something they have seen it is something they have experienced it is something that they believe to be true it is their witness it is their affirmation or declaration of something to be fact a fact now i want to remind us that as he's writing to these churches Each one of these churches existed in different cities uh, and different regions. You had Smyrna and Philadelphia and Ephesus and Laodicea. Uh, And as he was writing to these churches, if you read the history on all of these cities and all of these regions, here's what you're going to find. You're going to find that every one of these cities had existed hearing witness all through their existence. None of these no no none of these cities were strangers to having people come and declare things as being fact or true. We'll take one example. You go to Acts chapter 19 and you drop in in the city of Ephesus, a large metropolitan city, and in that city there was a witness. In that city there was a declaration. In that city there was a message that was being ...pumped through and accepted by the people throughout the city of Ephesus. And here's what the witness was. The great goddess Diana and her image which fell from Jupiter. The witness of Ephesus was that there is a great goddess named Diana. She has come from Jupiter... And she deserves to be worshipped. And she deserves to be followed. And all through the city of Ephesus, there were people who were believing in the witness of the goddess Diana. So much so that if you read Acts 19, you'll find they had books. These were books of enchantments. They were books of spells and all kinds of stuff that they would spend a great deal of money uh, ...to purchase and to use to heal people and to use to conjure up spirits to help uh, people achieve money and, and career success. And, and the craftsmith's business was, 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 was booming as they would make silver images dedicated to the goddess Diana. And throughout the homes of the city of Ephesus, I mean almost everyone had their little goddess Diana... In their home that they would worship. And, and there was the great temple that was dedicated to Diana. And through that would be large, what we would almost call like a party scene. Great feasts of drinking and excessive eating and immorality. It was a city that had declared a witness and had embraced the witness of Diana. Um, I want to say this morning that... The country of Sri Lanka, a tear-shaped island that resides 15 miles off the southern coast of India, no larger than West Virginia, yet housing 22 million people is full of witness today. The uh, the, the The country of Sri Lanka is not lacking, it is not lacking for witness. Matter of fact, if I take the Sri Lankan flag... ...the Sri Lankan flag itself... ...declares the great witness of Sri Lanka. On the largest section of the flag... ...you'll notice that there is a lion. In the four corners of where the lion is... ...there are leaves. They are Bodhi tea leaves. And this speaks of the most significant witness... ...that exists in the country of Sri Lanka. It speaks of the Buddhist religion... That, that, that hovers over and dominates the country. The lion, the word for lion uh, amongst the Sri Lankans is sinhaya. They are the Sinhalese people. Do you see the similarity? It's because they believe they have come from the lion caste, that their ancestors were lions. Uh, they were brave and they were courageous. And that has been over time. They have become humans. And 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 the four leaves speak of the leaves of enlightenment And so they declare the witness of Buddhism. But that's not all. They added the orange stripe. The orange stripe was added as the Tamil people began to emerge on the country. And that speaks to the religion of Hinduism that is found all through the country. And then they added the green stripe. Which represents the Moors who came uh, 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 to Sri Lanka and worship Islam, and so Sri Lanka waves its flag and declares itself to be a nation of witness, a nation of Buddhism, a nation of Hinduism, a nation of Islam, and and you can add in Catholicism, which is about nine percent or six percent Catholicism, and here's what it leaves: less than three hundred thousand Christians in a country of twenty-two million. In America, you do the math of professed believers. One out of every two people is a professing Christian. In Sri Lanka, one out of every hundred would be a professing Christian. It is a country of witness. But you know what the people of Ephesus discovered, and the people of Smyrna discovered, and the people of Laodicea discovered, this is why he's keying in on this, about the witness that they had. They found that those witnesses were not faithful. They had found that those witnesses were unreliable. Remember when I was pastoring, I had a a staff member and assistant and uh, wanted to get him a nice pair of Johnson and Murphy Meltons or Captoe. I just think every preacher ought to have one of those. And so uh, I wanted to go to the store, to the Dillard's there in Boise and buy him a pair. And he wore kind of a weird size. It was like a double wide or something and they didn't have his size. And uh, so I couldn't get them, and so I was looking online, I was trying to find these shoes for him, and I couldn't find them. And I found this website, and I found the shoes, and it was like guaranteed five-day shipping, and they were super cheap, and I bought them, and I was excited. And then it was weird, it was like I bought them, and then a few minutes later I thought, you know, I've never heard of those people before. And so I got online, and I googled the name of the company, and I saw like 3,000 reviews. I don't think I saw one star on there. I saw a lot of exclamation points. I saw a lot of rip off. I saw a lot of don't purchase. I saw a lot of you'll never see your product. And I, And I went from this crazy feeling of, man, I found the shoes. I got the shoes. They're on the way to I just got ripped off. By an unreliable witness. Do you know what the people of Ephesus saw? As they would go to the temple. They would engage in their drunken fests. Their immorality. You know what eventually happened? They'd begin to wake up and say, this is getting old. This is getting tiring. People began to get into their 30s and beginning to get in their 40s. And age begins to creep in. And the wear and tear of that life of that immorality, the lack of joy in it, the lack of morality in it, the lack of cleanliness in it would begin to wear off. And and as they would go to those silver images with their issues and with their problems, over time they would discover there's no breath in these images. There's no life in these images. There's no love in these images. There's no power in these images. And as they would go to the books of enchantments and they would try to wish ...things upon their friends and wish things upon their enemies... ...do you know what they would find? There's no power here. And they would go from the heightened sense of having found what they thought was the true witness... ...to the great bottoming out of realizing that the witness of Diana was nothing more than a ripoff. Wonder how many people walk the streets of Sri Lanka. They were born in Buddhism, they were born in Hinduism, they were born in Islam... They would never verbalize it because of fear of reprisal of their family, or re- fear of the repercussions uh, of the caste system, or or fear of losing their livelihood. But how many men and women walk the streets knowing this is a ripoff? You can read about the cells and the Islamic jihadist that is forming in the country of Sri Lanka, and you'll find that rich, educated young men whose fathers were some of the most wealthy men in Sri Lanka were a part of the people who blew themselves up and killed over a couple hundred people in the country what moves what moves people to attach themselves to such a violent and to such an extreme Form of religion, Do you know what it is? It's a searching for something that's real. It's a searching for something that's true. It speaks of young men who had money, they had education, they could travel the world... ...but they had seen the truth of their religion, they had seen the truth of their upbringing... ...and they were going to the far reaches of extremism to find a true witness. Every year in the country of Sri Lanka there is a festival dedicated to the worship and to the prayer of the full moon. And on that night, as the full moon hovers over the island and darkness ensues, it is also on that night there are more suicides taking place in that one night than the entire year put together. It's almost as like the darkness and the depression of Buddhism takes hold in the night and Buddhists all through the country take their lives. Do you know why? Because they have discovered that the witness that their country has relied on is unbelievable reliable and untrue there is nothing there is nothing that is more heartbreaking than to put your hopes in a truth and to find that it cannot provide what it is promised and so John says I'm I've written to you and you've experienced a lot of witnesses John had seen a lot of witnesses but they had also seen the coming of the witness of Jesus Christ because at an appointed time Jesus Christ came into earth. And after walking on this earth at the set time, He delved out to begin His ministry. And there Jesus Christ, on this earth, declared His witness. And Matthew summarized His witness in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, when He said, From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus showed up on the scene, And here was his witness. There is a king. There is a God. And he rules and reigns over all things and all people. And he desires, he loves all humanity and wants them to be a part of his kingdom. He wants to rule them. He wants to bless them. He wants to guide them. He wants to to nurture them. But man is on the outside of the kingdom. Man is separated from the kingdom by their sin, by, their, by the lapse of character that dwells within all of us. And so Jesus came and He died and he, would, and he would pay for our sins and He would rise from the dead so that all who would repent of whatever they believe or whatever they're leaning on for whatever spiritual fulfillment they seek and they would believe in Jesus and they would receive His forgiveness, they could have God as their King and God as their Father and forgiveness and eternal life and Jesus declared that witness everywhere he went. And the writer John received it. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 21, just four verses later, there is James and John, they're fishermen, they're mending their nets. And here comes, the, here comes Jesus with his witness. And you know what they do? They leave their nets, they leave their job, they leave their livelihood. And they walk and they follow him. And do you know what they're doing as they're following him? They are now putting their trust in his witness. The church of Ephesus, the people of Ephesus, the witness of Jesus comes to Ephesus. And the Bible says that great fear fell upon the people and Jews and Gentiles called upon Jesus Christ and they had a massive gathering of people and they took their books of enchantments and they burned their books of enchantments and they got rid of their idolatry so much so that the craftsmiths began to sense that their business was in danger and the people of the city turned and believed in the faithful witness of Jesus Christ. I want to say this this morning that the witness of Jesus is not a suggestion It's not the faithful tips of Jesus Christ. It is not the faithful ideas of Jesus Christ. It is the faithful witness. Jesus didn't come here and say, Hey, I've got some things to sprinkle on in your other beliefs and and with your other ideas. and, And you can believe what I have to say or you can believe what they have to say. It's all the same thing. No, Jesus gave a witness. He gave a declaration of things as fact. As things as true. And he's either a faithful witness or he is an unfaithful witness. But he declared that the only way to heaven is through faith in him and what he did on the cross. Someone says, Brother David, what's, what's the most difficult thing about Sri Lanka? What burdens you the most? What, what, is, it, what is it that, that disturbs you? Here's what it is no witness. To go through city after city, 100,000, 200,000, half a million people, and to not, no, not say, okay, where's the, where's the like minded Baptist churches like ours? But to say, where are the churches that preach the gospel? And to look over at Brother Unruh, who spent 27 years there, and he just shakes his head, and I says, uh, "They're not here, brother." What breaks my heart is to, to think that a country of 22 million people, that three fourths of them have never had the foot, the footprints of a man or a woman presenting to them the witness of Jesus Christ, that they've never heard repent for the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. What is most heavy to me is the idea that a young man could be born and live and die and never once hear the witness of Christ. And the reality is is that's most of of the country's life. To know that while a country is completely paralyzed in fear and anger and hopelessness right now, to know That there's only three or four people there that are giving the witness of Jesus Christ. It's a sobering reality. The lack of the witness. And John says, John says, now listen. So John is writing to these churches. And he's writing, this letter has been written a while after they received the witness. It's been a while since John stepped out of the boat. It's been a while since Ephesus believed in the witness. So now John is looking back. And now John is telling the seven churches to look back and to consider the witness that they followed all the way back then. And John, what is your evaluation of that witness you have believed in? John, what is that evaluation of... Of every, you've, you've, you've put in your whole life on the line for this witness, and now here you are, and you're, you're years removed from that first day. John, how do you feel about that witness, verse 5, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness. You know what John says? John says, hey, we got off the boat all those years ago. Ephesus, you burned, you melted those idols all those years ago. And you know what we we have found about those truths that Jesus gave us? We have found them to be faithful. And what does that mean? Hold your place very quickly. Look over at Psalm 89. I want you to see the illustration that God gives of a faithful witness. Psalm 89, look at verse 34. God says this, My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that is gone out of my lips... Once I have sworn by my holiness that I will not lie unto David. His seed shall endure forever and his throne as the notice, the sun before me. And it shall be established forever as the moon and as a faithful witness in heaven. Do you know what God reminded us? You? you can go back to Revelation. You know what God speaks of as an illustration of a faithful witness? He speaks of the sun and the moon. You know what? When I woke up this morning... And I woke up yesterday morning, and I woke up the morning before, I never said, man, I wonder if the sun's going to come out today. No, I know that the clouds might come, and I might not be able to see the sun, but I don't remember a time in my life where I've ever said, hey, I wonder if we're going to have any, I wonder if the sun's going to appear, or if it's just going to disappear today. I don't even worry about it. When I'm driving, I pull up my weather app and I look at what time sunset's coming and I coordinate my driving according to when it's going to get dark. And you know what I found? Pretty much happens. You know why? Because it's a faithful witness. Because uh, if the sun doesn't show up, neither are, d- neither are any of us, because we won't be here. Same with the moon. Do you, do you know what John said? John said, here's what we found. When we trusted in the words of Jesus and we believed in Jesus Christ and we staked our life upon what he said, we found that everything he said was true and we could rely upon his word in our life like we could rely on the sun's coming up and the moon's coming up. We no more doubt the words of Jesus Christ than we doubt the existence of the sun and the moon. It's faithful. Faithful. How is Jesus faithful to them? How did they find Jesus to be a faithful witness? Notice what he says in verse 5. And from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his blood. You know what John knew and the church of Ephesus knew and Smyrna knew and Laodicea knew? That within the heart of every human being is a desire for a God who will love them and who will deal with the sin and the guilt that they know they have. And John knew and the other people knew that they had never found a God who would love them. They had never found a deity who had cared for them. They had never found a solution for their sin. They had never found a solution for the burden of the guilt and the shame. That they knew that there was something wrong about them and it needed to be cleared up. But when they trusted in Christ, when they placed their faith in His finished work, and when they believed in Jesus... For the first time in their life, they had found the one who loved them. They had found the one who cared for them. They had found the one who gave his life for them. And when they finished calling upon the name, they found the blood of Jesus had made them white as snow. They had no more shame. They had no more guilt. They had no more embarrassment. Their conscience was was clean. Their hearts were clean. And they were living life with a freedom and a liberation from the stains of sin that had haunted over all their life. He was faithful to love and to forgive them. How else had he been faithful? Verse 6 and hath made us kings. An Old Testament reference and God in the Old Testament would give a king and here's the sense he would empower a king to rule and to conquer and to maintain To rule, to have power to conquer. Now, listen, you know what John said? Here's what we found for the first time spiritual power. Spiritual power to deal with sin, spiritual power to deal with addiction, spiritual power to deal with bitterness. Spiritual power to deal with the things we know about us in the mirror that we know are wrong. Spiritual power to live free from a vice. Spiritual power to develop in our marriage and to develop our children. He said we have found the power of God. He has made us a new creation. He has made all things new. And he has given us power to have victory over sin and to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And then he also says this in verse 6. And hath made us kings and priests. The priests were the only ones in the Old Testament... ...who had access to go before God. They're the only ones. John said we had lived our whole life wanting to know God. Ephesus had lived their whole life wanting to know God. But, But it wasn't until they placed their trust in Jesus that, as the Bible says, the veil was torn. And they could know what it is to come with their struggles, to come with their fears, to come with their disappointments, to come with their shattered hopes and dreams, and to come boldly before the throne of God and to find His grace and His mercy and His presence. No, John said, we have found That the Jesus, that Jesus' witness has provided us a real, meaningful relationship with God that we had never known before. I have trusted many witnesses in my life. Every one of us in here, we have trusted many witnesses with the words of people and the words of friends and the words of family. But if you are a Christian in here this morning and you have truly followed the Lord, every one of us would agree with this morning that we have never found anyone more faithful to do what he has promised in our life. That would have been a good place to say amen. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to rewind that. If you're a Christian and you have followed the Lord, you have never found anyone to be more faithful to do in your life what he said he would do. He's given us forgiveness. (laughs) Aren't you glad for forgiveness? Look, I know we wear suits and stuff and we look good and all that, but we're, none of us are good. We have pride and ego, selfishness, bitterness. That we, we all have a lot of flesh, but he's forgiven us of all of it. And he's, he's given us real power by the power of his spirit. How many things in your Christian life has he changed in you? How much different are, is your attitude in your speech, in your thinking? All because God has made you a king and given you rule in the spiritual world. And a, listen, and a relationship. How many times have you gone to God just in a quiet place? Gone on a walk, gone on a run, just kneeled in a closet somewhere and you talk to God. And look, I'm not mystical or anything, but I mean, you know this. It's like God's right there with you. And he's guiding you, and he's comforting you, and he's strengthening you. No, anyone who's ever been broken, anyone who's ever experienced true tragedy knows that the throne of grace is real. He is a faithful witness. It was a Saturday. We were in Sri Lanka. We were going to go out and do door knocking and distributing of tracts. But it happened to be an election day, and in Sri Lanka, election days are extremely volatile. If you want to see something funny, Google parliament fight in Sri Lanka. You'll see guys throwing chairs, chili powder in each other's eyes. It's crazy. It's something straight out of Wrestlemania. <laughs> and, so, and so you don't want to hand out tracks on those days because they might accuse you of political propaganda and you might be mobbed. And so Brother Andrew had been trying to discern what, how to go about this and so he decided We would go to the seashore that day, and our church and some of the other national churches, we would go by the seashore and hand out tracts, because that's where the fishermen live. The fishermen are the the poorest. The fishermen uh, on the seashore and the tea pluckers and the tea plantation are the two poorest groups of people on the island. And so we would go and we'd witness, they have makeshift sheds, and we'd go through their little villages and we'd hand out tracts and give them the gospel and make our way down the seashore. Well, a little further north of us, there is a brother named Brother Gobi and the Tamil congregation. And as they were making their way down, there was a man who was standing right at the seashore, just looking out at the water. And Brother Gobi walked by and handed him a track, and they just kept going on. The man took the track. An hour and a half or two hours went by, and Brother Gobi and the men finished handing out tracks. And they went back to the church, and that man was standing there, waiting for them at their building, holding the track. And then he began to tell his story. He's a Hindu. His whole family is Hindus. He worked for the government, had a wife, had children, had grandchildren. Working for the government in Sri Lanka, that's a pretty good life. And here's what he had said. My life was hopeless. I was miserable. And I could find nothing. And so I was standing there at the seashore that day because I was going to walk out into the middle of the water and let the the strong currents of the Indian Ocean suck me out to my death when you handed me this on the cover of the track here's what it said five minutes to live and he said I knew that in five minutes I would be dead and there on the outside of that industrial building brother Gobi led that man to Jesus Christ and Sunday night I preached to that congregation And there he was in the back row of the congregation, still holding the track with tears in his eyes and a joy that he had never experienced because, listen, he had tasted the reliable and faithful witness of Jesus Christ. John looks back and says, we have found Jesus Christ to be utterly reliable. One quick thing. We're going to wrap this up. Look at verse 9. If you're with me, say amen. All right. Verse 9. I John, who also am your brother, and companion in tribulation, and in uh, uh, hold on, I lost my spot there. And in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now look at this. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, "I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book." "...and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamus, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea." Okay, get this. Jesus had more witness for those seven churches. He had some things he wanted to tell them. Are you with me this morning on that? He said, look, I am the Alpha and Omega, and I have some things I want to tell these churches. I have some witness to get to them. So you know what Jesus does? Jesus gives the witness to John and says, now I need you to carry that witness to those churches. Do you know Jesus is a faithful witness in whatever he says is true? But he is a faithful witness in this. He He is faithful to get his witness to the people that need it. And do you know how he does it? Through people. I have a witness for the seven churches. John, I want you to take it. Man, Brother Hetzer, wow, you are, you're, you're committed. You love those people in Sri Lanka. You're so faithful. Nope. I was quite happy and content to pastor the rest of my days in Nampa, Idaho. i was pretty happy with my life. I had a pretty good life. But Jesus loves those people in Sri Lanka. And you know what Jesus did? He interrupted my life. And positioned me to end up on a missions trip in Sri Lanka. So that he could call me to Sri Lanka. Why? Because he has a witness that he wants to get to those people. And he's calling us to declare his witness. He is faithful to get his word to the people of Sri Lanka. And he has called the Hetzer family to go declare his witness. He, listen. And he calls all of us to declare his witness. Do you know what faith promise is about? Oh man, it's about giving cash. No. It's about Jesus wanting to get his witness across this world. And him interrupting your life and saying, hey, I want you to help me get those letters there. I want to use you to help John get there by giving your faith promise. Because he's the faithful witness. He is not just faithful in what he says. He is faithful to work through lives to get the witness to the people that need it. Jesus is the faithful witness. Three statements. We'll go eat some delicious lunch. Number one, Jesus deserves, no, no, no. Jesus' witness deserves our belief. I want to say this to every Christian, first of all. Jesus has more witness for you from his word. And you know, sometimes, can we be honest this morning? Sometimes his witness is hard to bear. Sometimes we doubt his word. But he has proven himself faithful. And so we should obey. We should believe what he tells us from his word. Look, if you're in here this morning, you sit in Jesus Christ. You, listen, you have a witness that you've been, you've been looking to. I want you to search your heart and ask yourself, has it really been reliable? Has it really found been true? Because I want to say there's 2,000 years of human history that demonstrates that Jesus' witness is true. To forgive you and empower you and give you a, the relationship with God that whether you know it or not, you've always been searching for. His witness deserves to be believed. Second of all, his witness deserves to be praised. You know, you know. honestly, some folks in here, God's been faithful in his word to you on a day like today. It would be good for just some families and couples to come to an altar and just say, You know what, God, I was 7 years old, I was 20 years old, I was 35 years old, and I banked everything on your word, and You've been, you have proven yourself to be true, and you have blessed my life, and you have done good in my life, and I just want to thank you and praise you for it. Listen, there ought to be times where we just recognize that all that we have has come from him, his faithful witness, and we praise him for it. Thirdly, his faithful witness should be obeyed. When the Holy Spirit says, hey, your coworker needs the witness, give it to him. Amen. You ought to be faithful. When the Holy Spirit says, hey, that guy at that grocery store, that, no, you're at the playground, you're at the ball game, there's that guy over there, hey, wait till, wait till the game's over. Just go over here and give him a track and invite him to church. You ought to obey that faithful witness. When the Holy Spirit says, hey, what about that faith promise? No, man, we're a young couple, we're just trying to build our life. No, 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 what about that faithful witness? And he interrupts your life and says, hey, why don't you just roll back on some, some of this and that and give so that people can be saved. We ought to obey his faithful witness and give. Listen to me, and if the Holy Spirit calls you to the mission field, because He does that, and He says, What about you? What about you playing the church? What about you going to Asia? What about you going to Africa? We ought to obey because He wants to use us to declare His faithful witness. Jesus is not just a witness, He is the witness. He is not just the witness. He is the faithful witness. Praise his name. Let's bow our heads and close.